Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much once again for, for joining us. We are sponsored by Team Sports, the new AI multi-sport app that provides professional tools at a very affordable price to every team, helping players improve their performance and enhance their health and well-being. Find out more by visiting teamsports.pro, that's sports with a Z, or download the app on your iPhone or Android. Now, our guest is a newcomer to the BBL this season, and he's made himself right at home in the centre of England. He's got some studies in the go as well, but he's mainly giving classes on the court. He is Leicester Riders guard, Kimball McKenzie. Kimball, welcome to the MVP cast. I'm excited. For a few months in. How are you settling into the UK? Settling in well, man. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, for me, it's a pretty easy culture to kind of get along with. Um, obviously, I, I speak the native language, which is a good change for me over the past couple of years. I've been in Spain. So, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a, very seamless transition the people here in this program are are super easy to get along with uh you know they fit in very well with kind of my personality and and you know i think i hold a lot of the same values as as the people in this organization so it's truly been a, a seamless transition i've been enjoying myself that piques my interest just to pick you up on that what explain those same values how, how do you define that what do you find in Leicester that you find in yourself uh just again family oriented, um, you know, having the, the, the concept in mind that, you know, basketball isn't the be all and end all of life. You know, I think it's obviously everyone here is trying to win every single game to win a championship, but I think there's just a good understanding here and maybe not in, in every professional realm that, you know, we have lives outside of basketball and, um, you know, maybe sometimes those things come first, um, which I think will ultimately allow us to kind of excel in the court. So just, you know, the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're here doing a job, but ultimately we all live lives outside of it and, and our well-being comes first. I'm talking to family. Your dad's from the UK, isn't he, originally? He was, he was born here. Yeah, he was born here. I'm not sure how much time he spent over here, um, but he was born in Scarborough, England, which is uh, how I have a passport bless him for that that's what everyone uh, needs an extra passport exactly absolutely <laughs> um, i mean talking about lives off the court we'll, we'll come to basketball in a bit but in, one of the attractions i guess for you is you're doing studying your mba alongside playing in the bbl yeah yeah a pretty a pretty special opportunity arose when uh, i was speaking to um russell this summer he said basically they they partner with the uh Loughborough Business and Economics uh, program, and they offer some of their players the opportunity to uh, study and get their masters. So obviously, I've I've gotten my undergrad um, in the U.S. from college, four years uh, in economics, and you know when this arose, um, the potential to to get back into studying, obviously not something I'm thrilled to do necessarily. <laughs> However, you know, the potential to get a to get a master's while while playing basketball is something I found hard to turn down. So studying finance and investment and uh, yeah, something I'm really excited about. You can ask me in a couple of weeks when I'm doing my first paper. Maybe I'm not as excited, but 
yeah, it's it's definitely a, a very unique and cool opportunity. As someone who was terrible economics at university, you have my full admiration. Um, <laughs> I mean, you went to Bucknell University, which for those who don't know is, is a member of the Patriot League. Um, one of my favorite books in sports books was about the Patriot League, and you know, it's, it, but it is is very much a I wouldn't say it's very much you know a academic sort of system, but you know, you're playing for schools where. You know, academia is as important, if not more important, than athletics. You know, when you're when you're in that sort of culture, how does that change the way that maybe you approach basketball when you decide to make it your career? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's definitely something that they made pretty clear to us from day one that you know you better be taking care of your grades even before I was recruited there. Um, you know, I had to have good grades in high school. So translating that to the professional realm, yeah, it's just you know like I've kind of previously notion to that basketball isn't the be all and end all of my life. You know, it's something I, it's definitely my main passion. It's definitely something that takes up a lot of real estate in my head, something I want to be great at something I want to, you know, continue to excel at. However, um, you know, I've learned over the past, whatever it is, five, six, seven years that the ball's going to stop bouncing. And for a lot of people that comes sooner than they wish. Um, so to have a, a plan B, so to speak, or to just be well-rounded and to, you know, have different, um, a different expertise. It's something else that you're good at. Something else that you might be passionate about is, is really important. So I think um, going to school like Bucknell kind of, help me see that that you know you better be putting some time into your classes or you know you're probably not going to do too well and um kind of just to carry a little bit of that uh you know academic expertise on into my professional playing career oh, but the book's name that i was desperately reaching for a moment ago was the last amateurs by jeff or by john feinstein if anyone hasn't read it it's about the patriot league and all the schools and over a season it is one of the best basketball books you will ever possibly read oh i haven't read it what's it called the last amateurs and it's playing for glory and honor in division one college basketball thanks to the power of google there uh, oh there you go the no i haven't read it i highly recommend it to anyone um i mean with with the academics i mean you, you know you're coming through that kind of school and we'll talk about the pathway that, that got you there in the first place but did you always sense that you wanted to try and play pro ball or was it one of those things that you had to take it as it comes and see how you perform in, in college before that opportunity knocks. Yeah, no, it's always been my plan. It's always been my plan ever since, um, you know, I was young, obviously it started kind of as a, I want to be in the NBA. Um, just like every other kid growing up wants to be. Um, and then as I got older and, um, you know, found my way into a, a, a very successful division one program in Bucknell you know, it became a reality that, okay, you play well here, then you'll probably have an opportunity if that's something you want to do to play overseas to make some money, you know, that way. So that's something that from day one at school, uh, at Bucknell from my high school days that, um, I always wanted to do kind of my plan A. Cause you're from the, the beautiful Canadian province of, of Ontario. Um, yeah, I've referred to people on the podcast before about this who've you know come from your part of the world, and you know you're part of that first generation for whom, well, it's, you know, being a top basketball star is nothing new. It's not like twenty years ago when mm -hmm. Canadians were regarded slightly with suspicion in the world of basketball. I was one of the first, as um, 
you know, some of these guys much more successful than me, Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson, um, obviously going back to Steve Nash, but he was more of a, you know, a, a unicorn an anomaly, mm. but yeah, I mean, you look at my class, the guys, my age, there's a lot of guys, man, who, who kind of made their way into the States and, and were able to go to school and get a free education because of basketball guys who are playing professionally overseas NBA. Um, but it's, it's even gotten more and more, um, since I, <clears throat> since I came out, even now, you probably as a, as a high schooler, I had to go to the States. I didn't have to, but I felt that if I wanted to play division one basketball NCAA, that I had to make my way to high school in the States so that I could be seen. I could have the exposure. The coaches could see me. Whereas nowadays you can go to school in Canada. They know that there's a bunch of good players up there. The coaches are showing up and, and watching these teams play. So, um, yeah, I would say I was of the earlier kind of generation to kind of put Canada's name on the map, <clears throat> but it's, it's continued to get more and more, um, you know, prevalent. Because you came through the CIA Bynes program, which yeah, Remy Services is, is where Andrew Wiggins, the, the, new, the recently inoculated against COVID Andrew Wiggins came through. I mean, that's there's a lot of pedigree in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the teams. AAU refers to the summer basketball. Mm. That was one of the better AAU teams in Canada. Um, so I played there a couple of years. I played for a team called You Play. Um, when I was 17 under. Um, but like I said, now I, I'll, I bet there's five, six, seven Canadian teams who are playing in these summer circuits who are getting plenty of exposure. Um, CIA bounce was kind of one of the first ones to get a big name and, and get a lot of college coaches in the gym because they knew, Oh, CIA bounce, there's going to be a lot of good players there. Um, but as I've said, yeah, it's just continued to get, to get, um, bigger and bigger so um yeah it was it, i'm thankful that i was a part of that program and played with some great players um and yeah, it's it's gotten bigger and bigger in canada which is awesome to see you had it south of the border though when you're you know just you know do a year i think of prep school or high school or whatever i mean that's so it's what, 17 16 17 18 um is it fair to say that that was a sort of tricky move for a canadian kid yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's first off, it's not easy to a lot of these high schools can be pricey, right? They're typically private schools, you know, where are you going to live? Um, you know, and just at that age, you're pretty immature, you know, you, you, you got your friend group in high school, whatever it is, and to leave to leave home at that age can be tough. I know I've dealt with a little bit of um, what do you call it when you miss home? Why am I missing this word? Homesickness. I was, yeah, definitely dealing with a bit of that early on. I guess it prepared me for, for university, but it's a tricky move, man. Even for my parents, you know, probably wasn't easy for them. Um, I was in a, a relationship at the time, which I'm still in. Obviously that wasn't easy as a youngster. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, that you got to sacrifice and kind of put up with and get used to and adapt to, to kind of live that life. Because you went to Baltimore. No, if, if I had a kid of 16 or 17 and I'm you know, I'm watching The Wire, I'm not going to let my kid go to Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, what's that like? Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so I was on the outskirts of the city. Um, <laughs> I hear you, though. I hear you. Yeah, it can, 
it can sound a little intimidating, even just for for someone in Canada to send a kid um, south of the border, you know, to, to go into the States. It's a whole different realm, right? Um, definitely the, the city, we played a couple teams in the city, and I was a little, you know, shell-shocked at first, no doubt about it. Um, but I was from the outskirts. I was in a, I was in a good place there, Bel Air, Maryland. Um, and it was good, man. I was, I was living with a very kind lady, Mary Ray from, from Uganda, who, who has a dentistry practice living about 10 minutes from school. And of course there's things to adapt to, but you know, all in all, you know, it couldn't have, I couldn't have had a a better experience there. You you go to Bucknell and you have this, as you say, the NBA dream, but you know, the pro hoops dream, you know, getting this as a career, you know, that's, that's the kind of dream that every young hoopster has, but you're in the Patriot league. What's the method there to, to prove yourself? Because, you know, you got to play in the NCAA tournament. So that's, that's great. There's exposure there, but you know, it, was there always that feeling that, you know, I'm going to have to do something different to stand out, to make myself some, you know, a player that somebody wants to sign. Yeah. Oh, man, most definitely. So you, you look at the Patriot League, um, probably two names, definitely one name you'd recognize, CJ McCollum, mm-hmm. went to Lehigh playing for the Blazers, um, and then Mike Muscala, who actually played for Bucknell, uh, has, been, has made a pretty good career in the NBA for himself. Um, these guys were both, as freshmen, some of the best players in the league. I believe CJ McCollum was the player of the year as a freshman, so it's like... There's no secret. You got to be dominating that league to have a shot at playing in the NBA. Um, and I knew this. I mean, my goal didn't change even, you know, all the way up to my my senior year and, and going through that process. It still hasn't, to be quite honest with you, in my brain. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I just maybe I wasn't good enough in, in that moment to to kind of dominate the game in such a way that it was undeniable that um, you were an NBA caliber player. You know, obviously it takes a very, very special um, gifted mentally, physically player to make it to that level. Um, But yeah, you know, you're always aware that you gotta be head and shoulders better than the rest of the league. If if you want to make it to the NBA out of the Patriot league, which these other guys were, which at one point was I, in my mind, the best player in the league, one of the best. Yes, just not quite good enough, which is, you know, which is okay. Um, But I definitely did everything I could off the court, behaved a lot differently in terms of, you know, my work ethic than most other people. Um, But it just wasn't enough, which is fine. Um, But yeah, definitely, you know, you know, you have to kind of do something special and, and, be a little different to, to make it to that level. Do you have a moment? I mean, when it be, you know, I don't know if it's a light bulb moment or if it's, it's, you know, some, someone's saying it to you, but when you realize that isn't my level, I've got to mm-hmm. look for the, not let's say the plan B, but the, the slightly different fork in the road. And, and therefore you adjust expectations. You adjust, you know, your, your pathway accordingly for that. Yeah, it can be a tough pill to swallow for sure, mm-hmm. man. And and maybe one that I never fully swallowed all the way up until, you know, still it's like, yeah, I'm not good enough. But weirder things have happened. You know, mm-hmm. 
in terms of guys getting signed to an NBA team at 29 years old um, after playing in X, Y, and Z for, you know what I mean? So in my mind, maybe a little bit, you know, uh, naive, you could say. Um, but it's always like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm just going to do it to the best of my ability until I'm done doing it. And whatever comes out of that comes out of that. So even all the way up until my senior year, as a freshman, as a sophomore, I could see, oh, okay, I'm averaging – uh, six points a game as a freshman. You know, I mean, if you're a freshman in the Patriot League getting ready for the NBA, you're not averaging six points. But in my mind, it's like, yeah, but I'm going to be different from the other guys, and I'm going to bloom a little later. Okay, uh, you know, time moves on. So, of course, I always had the idea that I'm not at that level. Um, but why not strive to be at that level? And then, you know, you don't make it there and play overseas and kind of just keep striving to – to be the best I can be, whatever that looks like on and off the court. So that's a kind of always been my mindset of not saying like, Oh, okay, I'm packing that dream up. Let me move on to this. It's like, okay, this is the best available option at the time. Let's do it. Keep working. Kind of try and keep things relatively simple in your head. Obviously it doesn't always work out like that. Um, but that's kind of been my mindset. Well, there is a certain executive who was in BBL as a player once who's now running the Toronto Raptors quite well. That so, would you know, be Nick Nurse. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking of Masai Ajiri. So, you know, you've got mm. an NBA, you know, you know, whether it's coaching or, or, you know, it's executive. Masai came of, through the pedigree, pedigree here. Oh, yeah, the British-born Masai Ajiri. You know, he's... I did not know that. He is as much ours as, as he is as Africa, as a product <laughs> of both. So, yeah, he, he was proudly in the BBL, not, playing not too far away from you in Derby. So there you go. There's oh, pedigree there on and off the court. There you go, man. So, yeah, again, this is a a good place to be, you could say. <laughs> Where do you see that? I mean, is the NBA designed for you for a career in basketball, or you know, do you see this finance thing as as being the way forward? Yeah, you know, i've I've had this I've had this thought as well. My thought all throughout my playing career is, um, you know, I never want to work a desk job. You know, that's not for me. I don't want to you know, show up to work and not love what I do. So once I'm done playing basketball, I'm going to coach. This has always been my thought. Um, so, you know, you never know, man. Um, I know the game pretty well. And, um, you know, I tend to be a, a pretty good communicator and someone who can get a, get along well with a team. So, yeah, maybe that's my maybe that's my route to the NBA one day is, is through some sort of coaching path or um, – some sort of management position or something like this rather than, uh, you know, what I always thought was to be a player, you know? So yeah, you never know, man, that that's a, a really good point and something that I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. Plenty of money off the court in the NBA as well. Well, if you're a basketball coach looking to develop your team, or if you're a basketball player looking to improve your performance, you'll want to hear about this new AI multi-sports app, called Team Sports. The app is free and as a player you can practice exercises and drills using only your phone without the need for additional equipment. You'll be able to visualize reps, sessions, speed and accuracy as well as challenging teammates. The app will store all of your progress in an organized way so you can showcase your performance and progress with your coach. Now as a coach you can easily manage your teams and players with Team Sports. Its intuitive dashboard hosts team rosters, organizes exercises, plans, and analyzes players' activity as well as their progress. Analytics will allow you to compare players' performance and see who is heading up the leaderboard. If you're interested in improving your game both on and off the court, then Team Sports is for you. Visit www.teamsports.pro, that's Team Sports with a Z, 
or download the app on your iPhone or Android. Our guest in this edition is Leicester Riders guard Kimball McKenzie and third year as a pro, so the first two years in Spain. Um, and you're in LEBR or LEB Gold, which is the, the second tier in, in Spain. And I'm always sort of fascinated me about, you know, players have come from there and, and also the division below that in Spain. How does that compare? You know, you're a few games in now, but how does that compare to the BBL in terms of quality of play? Yeah, that's a good question. I've been asked this before. It's just different, man. The style is different. I would say that the BBL, from what I've obviously haven't played many games, the BBL is a little bit more free-flowing, a little bit more, you could say, a little bit more athletic, whereas Spain Leb Gold is a little bit more um, like grungy and, and kind of uh, maybe tactical and game-planning and physical, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, it can be a little bit tougher to kind of get loose in Spain, you could say. Um, now, again, these are all things I'm saying four games in, so who really knows? Um, but I think levels that, that compare pretty well to each other. Um, lots and lots of talent, a lot of guys who you see that, you know, may be able to play at quote-unquote higher levels. Um, but in the same breath, you know, high-level coaching, a lot of high-level players in both leagues um, and just good opportunities like we've been talking about to to move on from, you know, to, to be here for maybe 15 years or to use it as a platform to, to kind of get better and, and move to different places. So I think pretty comparable leagues, to be honest with you. Uh, differences for sure, but um, pretty comparable at the same time. Is it useful coming out of college? I mean, not not to sort of disrespect the American system, but to go into a European place like Spain, where you know you're going to get really precise coaching, and it's you know it's a lot more about systems, and it's very coaching driven. It, not typically what you find as much in North America. I mean, did, was there a positive adjustment to kind of complement the game you brought already? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a good point. I think that's a good way to put that Spanish game is very coach driven. Um, and yeah, I learned a ton, man. I learned, I learned a lot in Spain. Um, my first year was a little bit tough for me. I was injured. I was out for, um, you know, six, seven weeks with a high ankle sprain, which can be tough to deal with. Never really been injured before other than maybe once in college. Um, and I had some adjusting to do, man. I had some learning to do. Um, and then by last year, by late, you know, mid-year, I felt like, oh, okay, I've, I figured this out. I, I, my pace changed, um, you know, my reads on the game changed, and you know, for the better. Um, so, yeah, I think just like anything else, you move from high school to college, you got a bucket load to learn, and, and you got a lot of mistakes to make. And I think the same thing happened as a pro, you know, especially moving to um, a basketball-rich country like Spain where um, – you know, it's it's precise, like you said. You, they don't want mistakes. They don't want. You better know the game plan. You better uh, be doing your job correctly. So I had a lot to learn, and I think I, I think I did that. And you know, I continue to carry it on. I still have a lot to learn, for gosh sake. So I continue to carry that on, and kind of just keep trying to get better. Do you feel like that pressure though? Because you obviously you college you're on a scholarship, and yes, you have to perform to keep the scholarship every year. There's you know we see players cut you know it's it's not it's a business like everywhere else but how do you deal with that mentality where you're going to a league where it's run very professionally but part of that professionalism is 
if you don't perform, sometimes even if you're injured, you can be on that next play home. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, it was an adjustment, especially when I got injured. Um, the the mindset that I've carried um, throughout it all that that's really helped me was whatever this team decides to do, whatever uh, you know, however I perform, I have enough belief in myself that if they decide to fire me that I'm good enough to get another job and to perform my ass off there. So that's their decision. That is up to them. That's something that's out of my control. Yes, of course it's in my control how I perform and I'm going to do everything I can to, to do that to the best of my ability, but it's not my decision, the decisions they make. So I've always kind of just said, you know what, if, if, a team decides to let me go or if it doesn't work out for this or that, then that was meant to be. Um, and I'm just going to show them down the road that that was a mistake on their part and, and kind of just keep pushing forward. So something I've tried, I've been fortunate obviously to, to keep all my jobs and, and maybe it's easier to say this when I haven't been kind of let go or something like that hasn't happened to me, which happens quite frequently in professional sports. But um, that kind of mindset of, I've tried to carry throughout, uh, my playing career and it's you know it's done me well why the bbl because you, you when you're an leb eb gold a you can stay at that level b the acb is within testing distance which is within european terms a place everyone wants to go if you don't well yep. leb gold other big leagues in europe can look at you and go yeah you would fit in there in yep. theory the bbl seems like a step down but when you looked yep. at the league in the summer, and obviously job offers are job offers, you don't know where they're going to come or many options you're going to have. But what did you see in this league that you thought, yeah, that'll do, I'll go there? Yeah, I think one of the big things was uh, Leicester itself, the program. Um, I'd heard so many good things about um, Coach Rob, about the guys, about the culture of the team. Um and just about the talent level. I mean, you look at our roster, it's like, in theory, there's a lot of guys that could, that could be playing at, uh, you know, a quote unquote higher level. Um, but I think it's just the way that this organization's run the way that, um, you know, the, the environment that you're in, that just is so conducive to getting better. Um, and there's just a lot, also a lot of good things going for the league, man, in terms of, um, I, from what I've seen, I've followed it maybe the past couple of years, it's definitely on the come up. Um, you're in an English speaking country, which, you know, isn't something to take lightly, you know, to not have to, uh, go through a culture shock of not knowing the language of walking into a grocery store and not being able to find shit stuff. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and so on and so forth, man, there's a lot of good things to be said about it. Um, it has a very homey feel to it. Um, and then on top of this, you know, I have my, uh, British passport. So at some point I wanted to kind of make my way over here and, and begin to make my name in, in, in Britain. So, um, yeah, it had a lot to do with Leicester itself, the program. A very very diverse place though. Um, culinary, culinary experience of Leicester. What's the number one thing you found? Culinary. Hmm. Good question. Um, Fish and chips, first off, got to mention that. <laughs> had that a good whack at times. Um, very good Middle Eastern cuisine. I'll say that. That'll be my uh, choice there. Um, the It seems that there's a 
like you said, it's, it's a melting pot here, which is something I'm used to, um, being from, you know, the greater Toronto area of Canada, which is super multicultural. Um, the, the Middle Eastern cuisine here seems to be pretty prevalent and, and damn good. Yeah. Uh, can never beat, well, I was going to say you can't beat fish and chips, but as a vegetarian, I would say you can't, but anyway, I don't, <laughs> um, the, um, last summer you plan the CBL, CEBL, pardon me. Um, yep. which is the Canadian Summer League. Great, great competition yep. there for, for the summer. But one interesting point, you're not getting paid in Canadian dollars. You're getting paid in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Explain. So this opportunity came up um, actually through my agent. I know that in the NFL and in a couple of the other top leagues um, in the world, I think NFL, it's become pretty prevalent. Maybe some guys in the NBA um, but basically they're saying, give me X amount of my salary, whether it be, I want my bonuses in Bitcoin or, um, give me half my salary in Bitcoin or this amount of money allocated to or whatever. Um, it's become a, a popular thing. Um, and my agent brought it up cause he knows that, um, I'm into investing and in, in that realm. And he's like, what do you think if we tried to get you paid in uh, Bitcoin this summer? And I thought on it, did some of my research. It's been a, um, you know, cryptocurrency is, has been an investment that I've, I've been wanting to kind of tap into and, and get involved with. Um, and I was like, shit, no better time than now, you know, just to kind of push me over the ledge and, and force me to get some money into Bitcoin. I'm, I'm glad I did now. I think... In Canadian dollars wise, I think one Bitcoin was valued at about $40,000 throughout the summer. And one Bitcoin is currently valued at about 70,000 Canadian today. Mm. So it's gone up a good bit. It's made me some money. I'm definitely glad that uh, I did it. So basically I said, yeah, I'll take half my payment, half my summer payment in Bitcoin. Um, it was good for the league in terms of being a publicity event that, you know, Canadian players are now able to be paid in cryptocurrency you know there's partnerships going on with some of the canadian platforms um so i think a win-win for everyone um and yeah completely up to a player's discretion that if you want to get paid in it you obviously you're taking a risk that this investment goes south which is always a possibility uh but something i wanted to do and something i'm glad i did i mean obviously you're an investments guy you know this is this is playing for your future in a sense so no one's getting rich in the bbl in terms of life life sort of riches or life transformational riches but you know how mm -hmm. do you plan and plan that that you know when you when you leave this game or whatever you did apart from having the extra education that you have that little nest egg to do something else with yeah well one of the great things about um playing basketball overseas playing professional basketball is typically maybe salaries aren't huge in certain places um but typically um most of your expenses are covered by the team so they'll pay you x amount that's fine but they're typically putting you in an apartment they're giving you a vehicle to use um they're paying your ta like your taxes are taken care of by the program um so then you basically just have these savings so instead of sticking them away into a savings account and letting them essentially depreciate um my mindset was okay i'm sitting around after practice for four hours a day what can i do it's like oh you know what let me 
learn a little bit about investing. Let me see what, you know, what I can do to kind of make my money work for me. Um, and that's kind of where it started in terms of, yeah, well, I'm not getting paid a million dollars a year. So what can I do to maximize my, my money and my time? And like you said, so that once I stop playing basketball, I have a good, good little chunk of money to, to kind of sit back on and, and wait to make my next move. So is everything transferred from British pounds into Bitcoin or is there other secrets? Not everything. No, no, definitely not everything. And please don't take any of this podcast as financial (laughs) advice. Please, please don't. I'm not a guru in any sense of the word. Um, Most of my investment techniques are pretty safe. Um, And it's just, again, it's, it's just something that, okay, I start now and I start to learn a little bit of it. I make some investments. I probably make some mistakes. It's like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll learn, um, a lot along the way. I'll put years of kind of experience and knowledge into it. So by the time, hopefully I'm done playing, it's like, you know, I have a really good idea of how to manage my money. Um, and I think that's a lot of, a lot of time, something that we don't learn as, as professional athletes is like, I mean, this ball's going to stop bouncing one day. It's like, then what, you know? Um, and I know it's, it's gotten a lot better as time has gone on in terms of giving us these resources and, and this and that, but yeah, that's kind of just been my plan is let me just keep getting better at this. Keep, keep trying, keep learning. And, and hopefully by the end of it, I'm better on the other side. Your, um, your Twitter bio probably gives a clue to us, but what's, what's the other sporting passions in your life? Yeah, I've I've recently over the past two three years fallen in love with golf. Um, it's something that's so new and so fresh. I'm so bad at it, um, and it's just something that it's such a good parallel to basketball. I find, um, but at the same time, it's completely different. You know, I, I can take so much from golf and and translate it towards my basketball game, and vice versa. Um, and yeah, it's just it's fun to be bad at something and be able to see yourself improve so quickly. I've, I've reached a point in my basketball game where, you know, you got to do a lot of work to find marginal improvement just because I've done it for so long and put so many hours into it. Whereas golf, it's like I go on the course and make one swing change. Maybe my whole freaking game turns around, you know, it's awesome. Um, yes, so I've but used it, it, can, the... it can work the other way. You make one small swing change and your game can fall apart. Oh, that's that's the terrible part about golf. Oh, have we all been there? Yes. Um, but yeah, this is, this, that's the fun part of it for me. It's, it's a release, you know, I'm out there on the course and I'm pissed off about a, a, a bad swing or the fact that I can't make a putt. Um, but the, the bottom line is I'm not thinking for one second about basketball. Um, so that's the beauty of it for me is to just get out there and forget about everything else. Um, and yeah, it's just become a sport that I, I really love and, and I admire so greatly the, the guys who are good at it, the mental fortitude that it takes to to be a good golfer, to, to play a full round of golf, to win tournaments. It's it's so mind-blowing to me. So um, yeah, something I've, uh, I've fallen in love with over the past couple of years and I will definitely continue to do throughout my playing career and definitely a lot afterwards. I, I agree with you. It's mind-blowing. It's also quite sickening sometimes to watch just how good oh, these guys can be. Sick how consistent, how just focused, you know, for four hours they're walking around and basically making two mistakes. It's incredible. 
Do you um is there a plan here you know, to swing the clubs around here, pick off all these these great courses that we've got while you're here? Yeah, I I have a I have a set of clubs now, um, and I plan to yeah. I mean, anytime I can, I've I've been to a couple in the area here. Nothing crazy, you know. I'm on a budget, um, <laughs> but I've been to the range a couple times. Like I said, man, it's not something I take overly seriously. I'm not going out there and. Um, you know, pissed off if I shoot a bad score, but it's just a good release. It's a good outlet. You know, I watch a lot of YouTube on it and, you know, you'll probably find me watching more golf than basketball these days. <laughs> yeah. Two very different kind of diversions, but uh, yeah, I know, I know which one annoys me more. That's not yeah. basketball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last thing, slightly more personal based, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, girlfriend high school you know you guys been together for a long time is this is this a long distance a long a long standing long distance thing no it's not anymore luckily it's not anymore she's over here with me um we've we've started our life together and um it was many times throughout um high school and college which can be which can be quite the challenge but you know we we get along really well and um, have always found our way through through these tough situations and and, and long distance and this and that. But um, the past couple of years, she's been coming over with me, and uh, it's been amazing to be honest with you. Just because you know, I think a, a big um, challenge a lot of guys face in playing overseas, coming from um, you know North America, is you know you get you get bored, you get lonely, um, you know you have to find things to do with your time so uh, to have her here i got a little dog here it, it makes it a lot more homey and um just kind of build a lifestyle around that you know it's it's a normal life i live and that's a good feeling um I and mean, on the court last year after you know customarily good start you, you know, it's it's a team that's reigningly champions it, it's consistently wins um you know you've had a lot so far to everyone else what's what's the feeling like is this another year of trophies that's the plan man i think de definitely our team has that feeling of like you know we can be really good we can be really good um i think we have all the talent in the world to do it obviously coach rob's resume speaks for himself um so i think we had all the pieces man it's just about you know showing up and not being complacent getting better every day um keeping a chip on our shoulder and yeah, just showing up every day, acting like we're not good. Cause you know, I think we know we can be pretty damn good. Um, so if we practice, like, you know, we got something to prove and play these games, like we got something to prove. I think we, uh, yeah, you could see a lot of trophies in our future. We shall see, but that's most definitely the plan. Well, that's, that's what the next few months, the next six months will show us how riders do. It will. That it will. Uh, Kimmel, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great season. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep watching out for those those investment tips. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. It was a great time. Thank you. If you want to follow Kimball on Twitter, you can reach him at KimballMatt. But that is it from this edition of the MVP cast, sponsored by Team Sports. Visit teamsports.pro. That's sports with a Z. 
or download the app today. And don't forget to check out our recent conversations on the podcast, including Josh Ward Hibbert and Boban Jack Donmey. Subscribe via your preferred podcast provider or stream at our website, mvp247.com, where you can also, of course, sign up for the post-up MVP's regular newsletter with exclusive features and insights. If you want to reach me, find me on Twitter at Mark Britbull. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye.